Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. We've been in a series <laughs> called Redeeming the Times. Amen. Who believes that God's plan's better than the devil's plan? Who in here believes that we're going to see the glory of God in this generation like never before? I really believe it. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. Lord, help me this morning. So good. I really just... got a lot to read. <laughs> Hopefully I can read. 1 Kings 18 verse 16. Let's see, let's see where the Lord takes this. It says that Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him he exclaimed, so is, is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Put a little context to what we're reading here. Ahab is the king of Israel at this time, who had opened the door to wickedness in the nation of Israel, turned the entire nation's heart towards other gods, perversion, idolatry, through his wife Jezebel, which to this day, thanks to her, that name is still infamous. How many of you have ever felt the desire to name your daughter Jezebel? <laughs> Nobody. We still recognize certain names are just not names we want to give people. Jezebel, Beelzebub, these types of names you don't run into often. If you ever do run into them, just know perhaps you shouldn't strike up a relationship with them. Lucifer is also not a very common name. Imagine the poor kid in kindergarten. What's your name? Lucifer. Why does the teacher spray me every morning with water? <laughs> what does H-O-L-Y mean? Okay, this is a serious moment, guys. Obadiah was a servant of the king, but that also honored the Lord. So Obadiah was a servant of the king, but feared the Lord. So he feared the man of God, Elijah. And he brings him before the king, and the king says, Is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? It's very interesting to think the king, the wicked one that let hell in, claims that it's the prophet that is the troublemaker. Elijah replies, I have made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord. And you have worshipped the images of Baal or Baal, depending on whether you're from below the Mason-Dixon line or above it. <laughs> now summon all of Israel <laughs> to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who are su supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. 
And Elijah stood in front of them and he said, How long will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. The masses are always quiet. They grumble and complain, but they never know how to pick a side. That's why God raises up strong believers, strong leaders in every generation to challenge that generation with the truth of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Thank God for the generals that you've raised up in this hour. People were silent. And Elijah said to them, I'm the only prophet for the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and I will lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. And then call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God and all the people agreed. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first. For there are many of you, choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call it. Call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and they placed it on the altar. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You have to shout louder. He scoffed. For surely he is a god, but perhaps he's daydreaming or he's relieving himself. <laughs> Said in the first service, might as well say it for kicks and giggles, much like our president did in the presence of the Pope. When you gotta go, you gotta go. Well, they actually set out an official White House correspondence. It wasn't a big deal, guys. It was just a wet one that he trusted too much. I mean, this is America that we live in today. This is our world leader. Don't worry about it, guys. He just trusted the wrong one. Came out a little bit wetter. You've all done it, too. The things you can weave into a sermon while reading the Word of God is incredible. Amen. Chronicles when the Lord struck them with golden or with, with hemorrhoids. Our God's vicious, man. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to get on the wrong side of God. I haven't been able to sit for days. Yeah, I know why. I have the cure. It's in the Bible. Fashion a gold-shaped hemorrhoid and send it to the person that you've offended, and the Lord will cure you of your plague. Amen. Until then, there's aspercream. stay on it. <laughs> it's in the Bible, people. I mean, I'm just telling you, you, don't. I'm not making it up. God gave people hemorrhoids as a punishment. Maybe he's away on a trip or he's asleep and he needs to be awakened. And so they shouted louder. And following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but there was still no sound, no reply, and no response. 
Elijah calls the people, come over here, and they all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the, on the wood. And then he filled four large jars with water. And then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering in the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command, O Lord. Answer me, answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal and don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. May God bless the reading of His word to the hearts of the believers this morning. I want to draw your attention to something here that is pretty interesting. I think in, in context of where we stand as a nation and the time that we're in as a whole, that it is getting weirder by the moment. Things are, 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 are changing rapidly. There are challenges being presented to us in this generation. There are people that are losing their jobs. There is a much turnover, the economy, everything that you're facing. But when we read this in 1 Kings 18, I want to draw your attention to something that there was a drought and there was a famine in the land, but how did the drought and the famine get there? Was it the plan of hell or was it the plan of heaven? Elijah, the Bible says, prayed for three and a half years that the rain would be held back from, the, from Israel to produce a drought, knowing full well that he himself would have to live and navigate through the famine and through the drought himself personally, believing in a supernatural God to sustain him in the hour but it was a setup for nation's heart to be changed. We're standing at a time when there's a cry out for reformation in the United States. There's agitation in our inner cities like never before. There's division. There's hate. There's mud slinging. There's animosity. There's craziness happening. There's hardship happening. There's threatening happening. There's upheaval going on all around us. And yes, it does look like total chaos. But in the midst of that, it is birthing a heart cry from every single person across the nations of the world right now for desiring change and reformation, but really they're actually desiring revival. And I find it interesting as we read this, as we're talking about redeeming the times, that there were prophets of Baal that worshipped the demonic forces, they brought sacrifices, they cut themselves, they sang, they danced. They went crazy and sacrificed everything. And in this hour, I just want to encourage you. Yes, there is witchcraft. 
There are wild demonic things that happen in the nations of the world. It's in the Bible. There is a spiritual war going on. It has always been that way until Jesus comes and once and for all locks them all in the lake of fire. And we are rejoicing forevermore in the glory of God. Amen. Amen. But even though they cut themselves, they shouted, they screamed, what did they produce? Literally nothing. They had no they had no influence of anything that happened. The drought itself they didn't cause. The drought itself they couldn't break. They had no power whatsoever. Even though they shouted, they screamed, they sacrificed, they gave their absolute best. And so my call is to all the forces of hell, do your worst. Shout, cut, scream, chop up your chickens. I don't care what you do. It will have no power and no authority on the church of Jesus Christ because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church in this hour. If you believe that, say amen today. The blood of Jesus is applied to the church of Jesus Christ and it breaks the power of every single curse that could ever be uttered. If you believe that, say amen. I remember when we first started in the ministry I was reading and I remember hearing that struck a nerve or a chord in me that it was true. That the first victory you have to get in any capacity before you see a victory in the natural is a spiritual victory. Spiritual victories are a very real thing that you go through and you navigate. And if you read the Bible, we understand that we are victorious. We stand in victory. We stand in that place of supernatural power. Yet there is still a fight that wages on with every generation. But I want to tell you this. The enemy, it's like if you read Sun Tzu, the, the, the book about the art of war, it says that the best way to defeat your enemy is to beat them before you ever show up at the battlefield. And last week we dove into scripturally the power of deception, and I think where most people miss this is they think it's hard. I was a sinner. I drank. I did drugs. I partied. I slept around. I did everything the world did, but I never once meditated on murdering a person. I never once got to a dark place where I, my, my desire was to crush another person, to prosper myself. So even though I had sin and it was dominating in my life and leading me to death ultimately, I didn't embrace evil. But evil is a real thing. There are evil people that walk the earth that have gone so far into the evil world that they literally plot to deceive a generation. They are used by hell to sow forth lies, division, hate, to destroy for the sole purpose of just anarchy and evil. And that exists. But in the church, we've got to guard ourselves to ensure we are not being deceived. Because deception, if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. You have no clue that you've been fed a lie and, and perpetrated that lie and made it the foundation of your life. That's why we thank God for the anointing. We thank God for the Spirit of God. And we thank God for the Word that cuts through the fluff and brings the true stuff. Amen. We thank God for community. We thank God for fellowship. We thank God for family that comes in and can speak to us when we're being led astray by the enemy through the deception of the mind. But in this hour, if you look at the heightened state that we're in, what is the enemy using? Because let me remind you, I say this often, but the enemy is not omnipresent. He does not know the thoughts of man. Do you with me? Only the Lord knows the thoughts of man. The devil is not in your head and doesn't know what you think. He only knows what you tell him and what you post on social media. So a lot of you have given him a lot of, war, of, 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 of ammunition. Thank you, babe. By what you post. Be careful what you let out. Be careful who you talk to. 
The Bible even says not to cast your pearls among swine. For holy things of God are worth holding back. There are things that the Lord speaks to you. There are things you go through that you don't have to voice out all the time and give the enemy power in your life to know what's affecting you. You can sit there and smile and look everybody in the eye and say, the Lord is with me and he is for me. And mean it because even though you're going through stuff, even though we're in a drought, even though you're in a famine, even though you're going through personal things, it doesn't mean that's the end of your story. And it doesn't mean that you will be taken out in the midst of that. It just means you've got a juicy testimony cooking and you're about to take the devil and kick him in the teeth. Amen. amen. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You've got to stir this expectation up. The devil is not omnipresent. He doesn't know the thoughts of man. He is not everywhere throughout the world just going about always knowing what's happening. He only knows what fake news tells him. He doesn't know the secrets of the Spirit. When God gives you a vision, He doesn't know that vision. He can't see what you can see, and He doesn't hear what you can hear. He doesn't get to hear the voice of the, the, the Lord above. You get to hear the voice of God. Come on. And so ultimately, you've got to realize the enemy's sole plan is to destroy you by attacking you in the realm that he has access to, which is the soulish mind realm. If he can deceive the mind, if he can crush the soul, if he can get you perpetually stuck in this place, then he has defeated you before you've ever walked out in your victory. That's what we're talking about for the next few weeks is redeeming the time, redeeming it in your own life. The enemy doesn't hover over your house in the dark. You don't have to climb up into the heavens to destroy the devil. I'm just telling you that because... There is spiritual warfare that exists, but the devil's not hovering over the church right now. And even if he did, if he had that capacity, whatever, his curses don't have any access to a person that's covered in the blood of Jesus. You have to realize that that is true and stand upon that. And if there is an attack, then you stand on the word and say, this is an illegal attack against my household for the blood of Jesus is enough. Amen. Come on. Are you with me right now? Stand your ground. And realize the enemy is defeated and he's where? Beneath your feet. So sometimes you do got to dance on top of the head of the enemy. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. To which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let me tell you in this hour I will say this. It still matters how you live your life. Much contrary to the social gospel that tells you Jesus' highest achievement is to just be this embracing of all wickedness and every sin imaginable and never ever cost change. Jesus is a fierce warrior. That will take a person held captive in sin and peer straight through to the heart and set the person free. I believe it. I've lived it. I've seen it. He severed every addiction from my life. He renewed my mind. He changed the way I thought. He changed the things I meditated on. And it was all through the saturation of his presence. Amen. Holiness still matters. Clean hands still matter. Pure intentions still matter. God is not a God that will be mocked. You say, well, I want the goodness of God, but I want the fullness of the world. You cannot have both. How long will you halt between two opinions? Elijah said to a generation, how long do you want to see what you can get away with? I don't know about you, but I want to see how close to God I can get. 
I want to get as much of heaven as I can contain in this fleshly body, and I want to walk in the fullness of God. And in the 10 years of being in full-time ministry, I've learned this, that many places that preach grace and preach acceptance and preach this will be the first person to kick you out of their fold if you have hell break loose in your life. We believe in grace. We believe in this. You go through a divorce. They don't want to associate with you. You go through adultery. They, they kick you out. You go through these things. They run you off. But pre people that preach holiness, we don't change our message to embrace sin. We keep the same message, but we always welcome people in. Because those of us that stand for holiness realize it's only by the grace of God that I've been redeemed and cleansed. And so if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Come on in and get what I've got because he's giving it out every day, all day, and it's free. If you believe it, say amen. And so what does that do? It breaks the power of sin in your life. There is wages to sin, church. If you keep playing with sin, you'll pay the price of sin. Don't play with sin. Set yourself free and live a righteous life because you are called to fight the good fight of faith. We're talking about redeeming the times. Hebrews 4.12 says that indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. There are people that have heard the gospel that didn't add faith to it that do not walk in what I walk in. And it doesn't mean I'm superior. It means I have humbled myself before the hand of God and said, God, do in me what you need to do in me. I trust you. I need you in my life, and I need redemption every day, and I need the power of God evident within my life because I don't want to stand without you. The fight that we are fight is not a fight of flesh and blood. It's not like we get to war like Braveheart, although it would be really cool if we could. I'm just saying, if I could throw on a kilt, paint my face blue, and go out to fight the devil, I would definitely be a part of that army. A hundred percent, you know, where are you going? I'm just going to go again, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Freedom! Like that's, it's like every guy that watched that, I was like 12 when I watched that, I'm like crying like, that's it, that's my calling. That's not a calling. <laughs> you know, that's actually not in the Bible as a calling, but you're like, that, that is me. I'm a freedom warrior. Seriously. I went from that to tell the Lord, God, if there's any way you can anoint me to be a warrior for the Lord, I'll fight other people's battle for him, God. And I used to be a kid and run around with a fake sword, chopping up thistles all over the farm, praying that I was a warrior for the Lord. And then the Lord made me a pastor, and it's not really the same thing at all. <laughs> I was a lot cooler with a sword, God. I'm just saying, you know, if, there's, if you need like another machine gun preacher, hey, It's in the soulless realm where we fight. A person that is possessed by the devil either got that way by pursuing demonic power in their life, which people do do that. have been to Africa multiple times. There are people that baptize their kids in demonic power to obtain supernatural things. It's a real thing. They either got that way through intentionally pursuing it or they got that way through the mind and thoughts coming in that they meditated on and meditated on and meditated on until it began to adapt their identity. If you were to have the opportunity to go and sit with some of the Charles Mansons and the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world and speak to them about how did they get there, as a child, I do not think that they would have had the plan or the vision to say that this is where I will wind up. It's not like their strategy was to become a serial killer. 
but the thoughts came in and they meditated on the thoughts and over time thoughts produce within you for as a man thinketh so is he and so the enemy realizes that he realizes he doesn't know your thoughts but he can bring his thoughts into your world and he can begin to adopt what you think to think like he wants you to think so that he can overcome you before you ever step out of the battlefield. That's why too many Christians are not actively building the kingdom of God because you're always fighting a battle within. Right. And until you get a victory on the inside of you, how do you think you're going to fight a battle on the outside of you? Right. So my encouragement to you all is get prayed up, get stirred up, and realize that this is your hour to win in life. Amen. Strongholds of the mind, for we walk not in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, nor do we war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How do we overcome? How do we walk through this time? How do we redeem the time? By guarding what your mind focuses on. Thoughts come like a thief in the night to every single one of us. Everybody in here has had the craziest, stupidest, weirdest thoughts that come into your mind. Doesn't mean that it's you. Doesn't mean you originated that thought. Come on. Means that hell's trying to implant in your mind something for you to chew on and meditate and meditate and meditate and meditate on. Because the enemy knows that if you meditate on the word of God and you meditate on it day and night and let it proceed out of your mouth, you will have success in all that you do. And everywhere the sole of your foot treads, the Lord will give it unto you. So what does he do? He tries to stop it so that you meditate on what he wants you to meditate on. Come on, somebody. And so where is the battle going on? The battle's not out there in the world. It's right there on the inside of every born-again believer taking the thoughts captive that come into your mind. Every born-again believer should memorize 2 Corinthians. And every crazy thought, I cast down every vain imagination and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And I bring every thought in in captivity to the obedience of Christ. you got to recognize, no! I'm not losing this battle. I'm not meditating on this lie. I'm not listening to this junk. This is not who I am. This is not where I'm going. This is not my portion. This is not my identity. This is not my inheritance. You're beneath me and you're defeated. I'm a child of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Spirit, anointed for a time, called by name, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Hallelujah. I'm more than a conqueror. So not just words that we put on our refrigerator to say to everybody that walks in, I'm a Christian and go to church. These are the promises of God that when I meditate on, become the reality that I live in. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Fear comes in like a thought. Be walking around in life and then suddenly fear tries to cripple people. This generation is dealing with anxiety attacks like you cannot believe hyperventilating, losing your breath, fear bombarding the mind. Am I going to live? Is my child going to live? Are they going to make it? You, you've got to take fear and realize I don't, I don't play with fear. I don't counsel fear. I don't comfort fear. I cast fear out in the name of Jesus. Perfect love cast fear out. Come on, somebody. It's not something that you entertain in the mind. It's not something that you try and get talked through. It's something you recognize as an attack from hell that has no place in a born-again believer's life. And you take the authority of the Word of God and you cast that fear out. 
I am not afraid of anything. For what is there left for man to fear? God has defeated every enemy of man. I don't fear time. I don't fear death. I don't fear the grave. I don't fear lack. I don't fear anything because my God is supplied according to his riches and glory. Come on. Think about it. Even in the midst of famine, our God still supplies bread and flesh with a raven if he needs to. Who can testify to miracle provision of God? I've seen it. I've lived it. Unexplainable, undeniable, absolutely supernatural. We were driving one time and needed gasoline. Our card was, was locked out. So it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, couldn't get the people on, on, on the line, have no way to buy gasoline, trying to travel through the night, stop at a gas station, and our bank account that we had, that time we had no money. You know, it was like, we had like $10. Praise God, we're blessed, highly favored, and world shakers, you know. How much money we got? $9.64. Amen. You're trying to find like a scripture. You know, when it's that dad bad, you're like, Isaiah 9.64, what's that say? <laughs> Like, I need encouragement right now. Some prophetic's got to come from this amount. <laughs> you got 23 cents. Come on, Isaiah 23, baby. What's the word of the Lord right now? Shababa. Amen. <laughs> when you got nothing, you actually got everything. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, I can't rely on anything, so I need you, God. I'm going to walk on water, I guess. We didn't have any gas. They had no money, $9, whatever change. We had like hours to go through the middle of the night. So I remember I pumped the gas and the, the, the thing shut off at $3.23. And I was like, I put it up and I, I start my car and my gas tank went from below E to full. Filled my whole tank up for $3.23. I remember that. I was like, gee, this is better than having the money. You know what I'm saying? This is like better than I had the money and no, it didn't even think. This is like, praise God. How many people have filled up a take a guess with $3.23? This guy has. Don't tempt me with raising gas prices. I'll walk up in there and lay hands on that pump and spray in tongues as I play. My God multiplies even gasoline. If you believe it, say amen. Come on, somebody. Something breaks around us, we just lay hands on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. AC's going out. No, you prophesied of that thing. In the name of Jesus, I'm a tither and I'm a giver. You will work in Jesus' name. <laughs> Bam. Yeah, I told you, told you. We walk in it. Amen. Thoughts come, doubt comes. It's a thought. It's a thought. I mean, the original sin when man fell. They came, the enemy convinced them, you want to think like God. You want to be able to reason things out. Doubt is where really just associated with unbelief and really leads you into fear where you begin to doubt, well, is God with me? Why do you doubt that God is with you when you read it and you know the promises are true? You doubt because of what's going on around you. So you begin to let things going on around you in your life, the holdup of dreams, a vision you've had that's never manifested itself, a hardship, a lack in this area, and then you begin to adopt the mind, well, maybe God's not with me. Maybe, maybe I miss God. Maybe I'm not that good. Maybe I'm not that anointed. Maybe I'm not the one. Maybe I'm not good. Even yesterday, I was, I was on the phone with my mom. Thank God for anointed moms. Amen. And I was just telling to her, I was like, Mom, I just sometimes feel out of place because it's like 
I've been in, I started in the ministry when I was nearly 30, so I've only had 10 years, coming up on 10 years, and most people my age have been in their, in their chosen pr- profession for 15, 20 years, so I feel I'm behind the ball on that, but then my kids are like three times older than everybody my age, so then I feel like my kids are super old, so then I look at everybody else and they're like, they're like my age, 20 years in a career with three-year-olds, and it's like they look like they're more successful. My mom instantly rebuked me. You're right where you're supposed to be, right when you're supposed to be there. You're in the will of God, and that's where you need to be. And I was like, okay, yeah, all right. Go ahead, Mom. I even told her, I was like, prophesy. (laughs) Then she gets into Emma. And Emma, you listen here right now. You are a young child. The Lord is with you. He's going to take you far in life. Don't you listen to any naysayers. (laughs) Emma's like, yes, Grandma, yes. Sometimes you need someone to prophesy to you when you even get into that negative place. You know what I'm saying? Just smack it right upside the head, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I repent. Yeah, what am I saying? I'm right where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. Everything is well in my life. Come on, somebody. Lust. Lust leads people into all sorts of bondage. It's a thought that comes in the mind. Well, I want something I don't have, but you don't need it. But I want it, but you don't need it. And it's an open door to hell breaking its way in. Learn to break that. Take that thought captive and cast it out of your mind. Say, I have everything that I need. I will not be bound up in the mind. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith, and I will be victorious. Amen. Amen. Just because the thought comes doesn't mean that it's yours. It does not require your meditation. So recognize the difference between the spirit and the soul. Anything originating in your spirit is of God, but the soul is easily manipulated. The soul can be so manipulated. Think about it, how many times you've been manipulated walking out of the house, feeling like your outfit looks good, and then somebody says something to you. <laughs> I, was, I was in a big mega church when I was traveling minister. I was called forward to share the word of God briefly, and I preach. You know, I'm like, man, God's doing so great. Blah, blah, blah. I, I felt like so confident. Man, I'm anointed. Somebody, somebody's going to you know, offer us to come to our church, and I sit down, someone taps my shoulder. And I was like, this is it. Someone's going to ask our ministry to come. You know, you're believing for open doors. And I turned around. They were like, hey, I just want you to know that the back of your suit pants is split right down the middle. <laughs> I'm up there in like 2,000 people with like pants that are ripped open with bright red, you know. Why did I wear red underwear that day? What the heck? The blood of Jesus. Apply the blood. Amen. I mean, instantly you go from anointed man, like everybody connected. I was powerful to realize everybody was looking at my underwear. I'm that guy now, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, great. You know, I don't even want to be in the room anymore. I just want to translate me, God. Translate me. Translate me. (laughs) You're like jumping in the air to try and like suck me out of here. I still avoid that city. I will never go back there in Jesus' name. So to say the soul is easily manipulated, it is true. I'm confident the Lord is with me. I'm not that confident right now. Thank God for the word, for Hebrews says the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. 
Thank God that the word will cut through the lies of hell every time. Thank God for the word of Jesus Christ. It's living, it is powerful, it is quick, it cuts through the fluff and produces the good stuff. Stay in the word of God. Meditate on the word of God day in and day out. Thank the word. Train yourself. Build yourself on the, on the word of God. For it's the plumb line of your life. And anything you build on the word is so firm the enemy cannot tear it away from you. It's a promise from God. It's for every one of us. But take Elijah's. We're talking about the mind. The strongholds of the mind. Here's Elijah that literally just called fire down from heaven. This is a really good moment in your ministry. It's like, finally, I've been hiding at the brook Cherith and hanging out with a widow. We've barely been getting by, eating the same meal every day. Anybody ever had to do that? In Bible school, I had to live off of carrot cake cliff bars <laughs> for like a month straight. I like carrot cake. I liked cliff bars. To this day, if I see one, I run out of the place. I do not want a cliff bar. Do not buy me a cliff bar. It sustained me for a month, but it was barely sustaining me. You know what I'm saying? Leave the same thing over and over again. He's suffering. But he has a high moment. But from a high moment, he slaughters the prophets. And then what happens? He crashes. Fear comes in. Doubt comes in. Oppression comes in. Loneliness comes in. One of the enemy's greatest things is to make you feel alone. We have everybody in this room, married, single, 17 kids, one kid on the way, 33 cats, or you're a dog person, <laughs> has all felt alone. In a crowded room, you felt alone because the enemy's greatest tactic is to sideline you and make you so feel alone and no one's with me and no one gets me and no one understands me and no one's been through what I've been through and you don't even know what I'm going through. And even if I told you, you don't even care because your life is a lot better than my life and you can't even identify with what I've been through. <laughs> we have all done it. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're, you're there and it's like that goes on. And then we think, you know, the enemy's then tactic is like, no, really. They have had it easier than you. Look at them. They have more talents than you. Look at them. They have more hair than you. Look at it. I mean, whatever you want to do, it's going to come at you to just sideline and alienate you till you feel like you're the only person in a crowded room that's all alone. And then what does that do? Walls go up. People can't even get to you. They're right there talking to you, loving on you, pouring on you, and you're like, no, nobody does anything because they don't really understand. I'm just telling you what you go through because we've all gone through it. Elijah's in that place, calls fire down from heaven. Prophets are slain. Now he's running away, fleeing for his life, sitting in a cave all by himself. I was zealous, God. What do we do? I mean, I did everything, God. I prayed, God. I gave, God, when that, when that television preacher said to give, I gave, God. <laughs> Lord knows I did. <laughs> I've been zealous, God, but I and only I have been the one that has never had the breakthrough. Well, it's me, God. Look at me. Here's your little, you know. Imagine the Lord. Because it's like you're doing that and you think, you really are genuinely believing you're the only one in that. But like literally the house next door is doing the same thing. Two doors down, the Lord's just always looking down at his people like, 
I mean, I know I said it's finished. <laughs> I wish you'd believe me. I'm with you. I'm for you. Stop peddling with defeat. Stop embracing loneliness. You are not alone. You have never been alone ever. Even when you didn't know him, even when you didn't sense him, even when you didn't see him, even when you couldn't hear him, he was right smack dab in the middle of your worst moment. You never did anything to push him away. He is violently in your life from day one, fighting battles, claiming you, singing over you, prophesying over you, and his blood is still on you today. You have to realize, I'm not alone. I've never been alone. I'm a part of the greatest army that has ever been on planet Earth. I'm a part of the largest, most potent, most powerful force. I'm connected. I'm sewn in. I'm engrafted into the vine of God, and I belong to the family. I am not alone in Jesus' name. Amen. Because the enemy does that. You have to take those thoughts captive. Regularly take the thoughts captive. God has given me everything that I need through his infilling of his spirit. I have every tool necessary. I'm not lacking anything. I don't need another dramatic experience, though I thank God for him. Amen? Amen. I love encounters with God. But you don't even need another encounter with God. You have everything you need right now to walk in the fullness of the blessing of God. The word of God is on your side. Stand for it. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10. Be sober and be vigilant because you're at... Vigilant. Vigilant. Did I say vigilant again? Be sober and be vigilant, like a vigilante. Might have found my calling right now. Preacher by day, vigilante by night. They call me the preacher. You've threatened your last. Why do you talk like that? Because I preach long and don't stop to drink. Every time you have a coffee before you preach, this is what happens. Let's get back to you. Sound like you're a chain smoker. I'm a preacher. When I was in Bible school, I worked at uh, the cancer center in uh, Tampa, and there was a sweet lady. She was from from Bronx or something like that, and she would she would always, hey there, celeb. She always called my name celeb instead of Caleb. <laughs> and then, like, really? Hey there, celeb. You're such a doll, baby. How you doing today? Come here, give me a kiss. Give us a kiss. Doc says he's got to take out another lung. I might as well have another cigarette to rejoice. Can't live forever. That's what I always say. Come here. You're such a doll, baby. Thanks for lighting up my day. Be a vigilante. Oh, be, be vigilant. 
because your adversary, <laughs> the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. It's not enough, though, to be on the defense. Don't be in the crowd of complainers. Be in the front line of fighters. We're talking about redeeming the times and walking it. It has to do with the battlefield of the mind and the strongholds that come in the mind. Philippians chapter 4 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He will guard your mind. So let it be like almost in your life when you are going through that constant barrage in the mind of the attack, the defeat, the feelingness. Then you know, man, I need to look at this. And in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let my request be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, now watch this, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on them. Meditate shares the same root as medication. Meditate on it because if you let the word of God saturate your spirit and your soul, you will live the word of God out to this lost and dying world. Amen. Amen. And even if a famine comes, a bird will supply your every need. He will bring flesh and bread every morning and every evening, and you will feast in the goodness of God. Now, I'm closing with this because it is our first, our new members Sunday, so we're going to meet with all new members. But my wife ministered this to me not that long ago, and I just felt to close out with this. Psalms 104 through 5. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. I've used this before, but many years ago, I traveled to the nation of India. I'd preached to 200 plus pastors. In fact, it was literally in November I went. I've been getting updates on my phone, you know, where they, Facebook reminds you this many years ago of just the presence of God invading the place, people being set free. It was a glorious time. The, the, the Lord was with us so strong. Our first meeting within five minutes. The presence of God saturated the place and people were running around the building. Fall, I mean, it was, like, it was like a Holy Spirit bomb went off five minutes in. That does, you cannot make that happen in your own strength. It is only the Lord that just gave instant breakthrough. And it was like that the whole week. Supernatural. People were getting saved out of different faiths. Dots on their forehead, turbans on their head. Getting radically saved, running forward to the altar. It was awesome. Packed the place out. And, but we took all of our money. We had no money. And we gave everything away just to go to India personally. We have no money. I'm eating watercress and egg salad sandwiches, which I hate egg salad. And I don't know what watercress is. And it was discounted because it was a day old. So the bread was kind of crusty, you know what I'm saying? When the bread is hard, the egg salad's turned seven shades of yellow. And it's got that crusty bit of egg. You know, I got to scrape off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really blessed, aren't I? Eating my egg salad sandwich, drinking drip coffee when I want a latte. As everybody knows, the goodness of God leads you into a land flowing with milk and honey. 
And I'm complaining to the Lord. I get negative in my mind. I'm in, in London and I'm just negative to the Lord. Like, this is not right. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of never having anything. I'm giving everything. God, I walked away from all this stuff. It's just not right. You don't even care about me. I'm just this dude. What am I even doing? You never called me. I don't even know what I'm doing here. What is, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, put your hand over your mouth. Shut up. I fly back to America. Go to right at this time of year for the Sunday of Thanksgiving Sunday. And the preacher gets up and preaches a message called, Thank God for the Small Things of Life. And I thought, what is this? I'm a man of God. I need something meaty to chew on. You're up there talking about thank God for birds? You thank God for birds. only bird I'm thankful for is a dead bird on my plate right now because I'm hungry. Thank God for grass? Grass? I have to mow it. Thank God, and they just go on. Thank God for butterflies. Butterflies? I'm not a soy boy. Like, I'm not out there like, look at the butterfly. Like, the people are like, it's a monarch, feathered, yelly-bellied, whatever. Look at my butterfly garden. Looks like a lot of work to me. Look at my air conditioner and couch. Amen. Let me get a witness here. Anybody with me right now? No, seriously, I had an attitude, an attitude. And I'll never forget the spirit. My spirit shouted through to my soul. He's talking to you. And I was like, and then instantly I realized, what am I doing? The Lord just sent me to the nations of the world. When we had called our ministry Revival Fire International, even though we had never gone international, it was more like a prophecy we call it Leonard, slap it on the name so that one day we'll go. Amen, get ready. And we finally went. We're international. It's not a lie. And I'm sitting there complaining, and I just broke. And I was like, thank you, God. Number one, for the honor to ever be a voice to anybody, whether it's a large crowd, a small crowd, or just a single person on the street, to ever be asked to be a voice for God is the highest honor that will ever be given to you. That God would entrust you to carry his message, to unlock a heart? Are you kidding me? What is there left to complain about when the king of glory himself knows you, calls you, and lends his words to you? If you're ever asked to pray for a person, don't let it be this, oh, great, i got to pray. Realize, man, God is the one. This is not a mistake. The Lord is asking me to step into this place to declare his word in this hour, and I will pray with all that I've got. Amen. What an honor that God would choose me in this hour. And then what an honor that I got to go to the nations. Many people in America don't even go outside of the nation. I mean, people regularly, 60, 70 years old, never even had a passport. And the Lord sent me to India. I got to eat curry without a fork and knife because in India they don't use that stuff. And I was so grateful. Amen. And in, some, in the attitude adjustment of me, Everything I was going through broke off. And it was just simply on the inside of me. I'm going to ask for everybody to stand. Lift your hands to the Lord this morning. I want you to take a moment and just be thankful. Because it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then enter into his courts with praise. You want to get into the presence of the Lord, you begin with thanksgiving. A thankful heart. Take a moment right now. What can you thank him for this morning? What has he done for you? What is he doing for you? What has he promised to you? What have you seen? What have you witnessed? What have you touched? What have you been used by him to do?
Father, we thank you for every moment that you've lent your anointing to us. Thank you, God, for every time that you've entrusted us to lay hands on the sick and they've recovered. Thank you for every time you've been, we've been asked to pray for another in your name. God, thank you that we don't pray in the name of someone we don't know, but we pray in the name of someone we intimately know. Thank you, God, that we know you. Thank you, God, that you know us. Thank you, God, that you're with us. And then from Thanksgiving, break way into praise. You enter into his courts with praise, the Bible says. Be thankful and bless his name, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Jesus, we worship you in this place. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this house. We thank you, God, for personally, no matter what this nation goes through, our house is blessed by the Lord. Amen. We, have, we are self-sufficient through Christ's sufficiency. We have more than enough, God. You are the all-sufficient one, the El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. Every morning we rise to the blessings of God. Every evening we lay our head to a blessed pillow. The angels of God are encamped about us. No weapon formed against us can prosper, God. We're blessed with the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're led by your voice. We're unified by your spirit. We're filled with your love. We're anointed with wisdom. We're graced with power. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and that freedom trickles into all areas of my life. I'm free from addiction. I'm free from pain. I'm free from doubt. I'm free from fear. I'm free from lust. I'm free from persecution. I'm free from it all, God. For you are with me. You go before me. You make a way for me. We'll take a moment. We'll just close it out. Give God some praise in this place today. Oh, we worship you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, mighty God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Precious. You're holy. Think and meditate. Don't let your thoughts be centered on survival. Push your thoughts into the realms of victory. And thank God for it in this hour. In Jesus' name. I love you from the bottom of my heart. New members, please stick around. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.